Bite Sides Podcast. My name is Tyler Balbutz, and welcome back to Transfiguration Sunday for the week of February 19th, 2023, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to get in this week's podcast, and I'm excited as we are in this last Sunday of Epiphany, as we are about to transfer and move into the season of Lent, and this being a season of reflection as we move into Lent. So this last Sunday of seeing the light of Christ, and I feel like this is a text, especially this week, that really is trying to help guide us and prepare us for that and remind us this last final time before we go into this deep reflection period of what this is all about, what following after the light is really all about. And as we are moving into this Lenten season at a time that we're often reflecting and thinking about things that we're going to do or give up or something that's going to help bring us closer to God, I think it also is important to be thinking about how Christ is the light even in this time of reflection and self-reflection. So before we jump into this week's text, we have to look back to last week's question, which was, have you ever looked at sleep as a holy thing? And from the discussions and stuff that I had with multiple people this week, it wasn't necessarily that we've seen it purely as a holy thing, but after we acknowledge it being potentially a holy thing, it was amazing how many of us were like, yes, it is. And that we all realize the need that we have for it, but yet how often we are quick and easy to put that off or push that off or I can wait on that. And yet that's one of the things then that becomes hard. We're not allowing God to really hold us in that moment, to really take care of us in that moment, that trust that we have to be able to have. Like a young child in their mother's arms, we or a parent's arms, that they just fall asleep. I think we have to realize and look at that our sleep is something very similar to that. And in us pushing off and holding off sleep, we are preventing ourselves from potentially having this deeper, more intimate relationship with God and being able to actually have our bodies be able and fully capable of doing the things that they are designed to do because we are literally holding them back. So I think it is an interesting discussion to be having and thinking about, especially in a world that is go, 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 and sleep is for the weak, and realizing that no, that's actually making us weaker, that we really need this sleep in order for us to be able to thrive and become the people that God has called us into being. So let's just jump into it for this week. The Old Testament text is out of Exodus chapter 24, verses 12 to 18. This is where Moses hasn't quite went up and gotten the Ten Commandments yet, but it's God calling him up and Moses setting things up for him to go up, telling the elders to wait along, having Joshua come with him. And that here is Moses going up Mount Sinai that has been covered in clouds, which especially in the Old Testament is a symbol of God's presence. And that Moses enters the clouds and is there for 40 days and 40 nights. And we know then as he comes down, it's with the law. So it's this time of meeting with God and it's this transformational moment 
for where God is going. Also, especially with where we'll get to with the gospel text, it also is this mountaintop experience, which we are also then having with the gospel text and God meeting us at a mountaintop. So it's this kind of similar idea that we're in. We have alternative psalms this week, either Psalm 2, all 11 verses of it, or Psalm 99, all nine verses of that. So we'll start with Psalm 2. Psalm 2 is having this recognition of we make plans, but what is it that we're actually doing? We're recognizing that we are gods, and it's not really what we're necessarily wanting. It's what God desires of us. And all these different things of us trying to pull away makes it harder for us to be the people that God has called us into being. And so that we are trying to serve this God and follow in the footsteps of where God is trying to steer us. So this similar idea of following after Christ and what does that actually mean and not necessarily following after what our human plans are. Psalm 99 kind of continues along that idea of that all these things of human construction, we should be trembling at, if you want to put it that way, that the kings of the world are nothing compared to who God is. That God is a mighty king, a lover of justice, and has established equity and has executed justice and righteousness in Jacob, coming from verse 4. This idea then of how God has spoken through all these different people. He has spoken through a pillar of cloud. He has made decrees and statutes and that we are to be them following after what God has put down as an example for us to be following after. The New Testament text or epistle text this week is from 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 to 21. This is recognizing, again, along this similar theme of the ways of what we as natural humans or what were shielded and yielded toward, what were typical tendencies are, not necessarily where God is necessarily wanting us. It's to understand that Christ's coming was... God coming in flesh. This is my son, beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Coming from verse 17, recognizing what's going to be in the gospel text. And that the prophets weren't speaking out of their own place, but that this is coming from God who is speaking through the prophets in the Holy Spirit. So this idea of how we should be chasing and seeking after where God is trying to light our path to be going and recognizing then where God is having us go and moving in that direction. The gospel text this week is out of Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 to 9. Here is that mountaintop experience where Jesus takes Peter, James, and John and leads them up on a high mountain. And he is transfigured. His face shines like the sun and his clothes turn to dazzling white. And appearing with him is Moses and Elijah. Peter then makes this idea of let's have dwellings here. Let's live here. Let's stay in this moment. Three dwellings, one for Jesus, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And then out of the cloud, suddenly a voice appears of this is my son, the beloved with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. The disciples hear this. They fall to the ground, overcome by fear. Jesus tells them to get up and Jesus is the only one there. Jesus then also reassures them that 
to not talk about what they have just seen until he has risen from the dead. As you would guess, these people are a little bit kind of overwhelmed with the whole situation, don't really fully recognize what's all fully gone on, and this is something that's more important and they reflect on more later. So, before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do a shameless plugs for Working Preacher. If you haven't heard Working Preacher, I highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to help give me some direction, along with having the commentaries from multiple different biblical scholars and their podcasts and their discussions. It's just a great overall place to hang out and spend some time. So if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. I'd also highly recommend checking out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library. I really like how they lay out the text each week, but I also really enjoy how they have arts, hymns, colors, all these different things to help prepare you for thinking about these upcoming services. So if you haven't checked out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library, I'd highly recommend that also. I think there is something that we can pick up in the Matthew text that kind of permeates everything that we're going through here. These mountaintop experiences and how we want to stay at those mountaintop experiences. Moses being there for 40 days and 40 nights, but we know when Moses comes down, Moses even gets frustrated and destroys the tablets and goes up again. But it's also this aspect of what Moses comes down with changes things. It's the laying out of the law of who God was wanting us to be in this relationship. Here we have Jesus at the mountaintop experience being transfigured and giving a preview of the ascension, giving a preview of what is to be coming. And yet Peter, James, and John don't fully recognize what this is at this moment. And yet Peter still wants to live there in that moment. Peter wants to stay there. Even though Jesus is giving them a glimpse of the future, Peter wants to stay in that moment. And I think this is where it ties in with the second Peter text and our psalm text of how we have these plans that we have and we want to hold on to them. We want to have this feeling of control. We want this understanding that we have some manifest destiny, this idea of we know what's best. And as we know from the history of manifest destiny, that wasn't a good thing. We found to be in the wrong more often than not. Our own natural tendency in certain things like this of holding on to what we know doesn't help. The thing that we can be sure of is change. And Jesus, in this mountaintop experience, is trying to prepare these three disciples for the change that is coming, yet they don't even realize it. How in our own human lives do we encounter that? I think it's all around us, and we're the ones who don't want to change. Let me give you a few examples. One of them is our whole Earth's crust in and of itself. And I'll attach, again, some links down below But there's a great crash course going through plate tectonics and how we have ridges in the ocean, which is where we have new land essentially being made, which is how the continents in a way kind of started to spread due to plate tectonics. We also have trenches where they kind of the plates are pushing things down, which then the rock becomes magma again. And this is recycling within the earth, recognizing that not everything is forever. 
This idea of things being turned over. And if we think about it in that way, we have all these different cycles in life. We see it all around us. The water cycle, the carbon cycle, photosynthesis is a cycle. This idea of this movement that is happening constantly. And we've talked about some of these different ones before. I think another example is even looking at an easier level for us to understand of like ecological succession. How let's say a wildfire goes through and we're going to have secondary succession. It may level a whole area, but the soil is still there. So you start this process over and after a long period of time and multiple different variables, you might be able to get a forest like it was pre-fire, but there might be plains and savannas and things of that nature before we ever get to that process. It takes a long time for a forest to grow. It takes a long time for an ecosystem to readjust, to be able to get to that place again. And it may never get back to that place again. How often we have to be able to consider and recognize that that's a possibility. So you see, as I've thought about this text, this is a text of Jesus laying out to us that we're the ones that struggle with change not the other way around. The world all around us is all about change. Think about even bird migration. They recognize that there is a season for them to be up north and laying eggs and having their young, and a season for them to prepare and bulk up to fly to another area and recognize that this seasonality of things happens. But us as humans... And especially in the developed world, in quotes, we have kind of started to break a lot of these traditions. We have made it so that we are able to get fresh fruit and vegetables almost year-round. We have figured out ways to be able to make it so that we can stay where we're at and not need to worry about hunter-gathering nearly as much. Trying to make our lives as similar as we can throughout most of the year. Recognizing that there are a few things that will change here and there but trying to get them to affect us as little as humanly possible. We're the oddball. Because if you think about what a tree does, a tree realizes there's a growing season and a season to shut down, a season to store its sugars. Or if you want to go on a longer scale, there, as we've talked about in the past before, there's times where trees need extra help in their communication with other trees in the forest. And there's also times as it is dying to send that nutrients back out into the community. As we think about how volcanoes creating land out of magma and something new is there. We look at the whole state in the United States of Hawaii being volcanic activity causing that whole area to be there. A whole state is volcanic activity. It didn't used to be there. It became that. And as we are looking at the world around us, as we talk about climate change, and part of what is scary about it is now we're impacting things and making things change quicker. And I'm not saying that climate change isn't a thing. I'm a wholehearted believer in climate change. But there's also a point where there is change that does happen. Trees grow. Things change when a tree grows. It makes for it to be able to have acorns or whatever their seed pods are to be able to grow to potentially grow a forest. The open meadow might become a lightly forested area into a developed forest. 
And this is the change that naturally happens. Are we ready for that? I remember in high school, we were doing a small mammal project. And one of the things that we looked at was an old field, what was what we called it. We had these small little habitats, we called them. We had an upland forest and a bog. And when doing that, and I was able to then take some of this data and statistically prove it later in college, that there was habitat preference. We were able to look at the different small mammals that we were trapping with Sherman traps to show habitat preference of different species. And we were able to see within populations of Okay, as the population increases, they go to their not as favored habitats, and when the food isn't as prevalent and the population crashes, they will all retreat back into these areas, thus being able to see this cycle. But the other thing that we were able to see over a longer term, especially as you were looking at the data going out 10 to 15 years, is succession. The old field, as one of our areas, started getting harder and harder to get meadow voles. Why? Because trees were slowly coming in. And suddenly white-footed mice that were more focused in areas of forested were starting to trickle out more and more, pushing out more and more of the meadow voles. This is a natural thing. This is a natural thing of succession that we have recognized time and time again that things change. But yet as humans, and especially when it comes to faith, there's times that we really struggle with that idea. When we look at the text this week, Jesus is laying out what is going to happen. Peter, James, and John have no idea what is going on. But it's the reassurance by God that this is his son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him, but also seeing a glimpse of the glory of God a glimpse of it. And the disciples are overcome by fear, which I think all of us in many of our minds would be overcome by fear in the same way. Yet, they weren't at that moment able to understand and connect the dots. But here it is in our gospel, recognizing that after the events of what they went through with Jesus, they recognize that this is something of significance. This was a turning point. This is when things started to change. This is where Jesus started to look toward his demise. I think that's one of the things we have to consider. I think this is something we need to look at. Recognizing like what Second Peter was saying is, this was not a plan of man. This was Jesus fulfilling the prophecies, and the prophecies had been coming from the Holy Spirit all along through God speaking through the prophets. And that this isn't something of human creation, but yet this is something that coming from God so that we can understand the relationship that God is trying to have with us. We recognize as we look back to the Exodus text of Moses going up Sinai, we know in hindsight that when Moses comes down, things are not the same. This is a change. This is a huge turning point within the people of Israel. The Ten Commandments lay out the foundations of the law and everything that comes after that. And the thing is, is I think it is a moment where God is trying to show us the only thing that is constant, that isn't changing, is me. The world and everything around you is going to change. As things die, 
be it plant life or human life, we create carbon, we create things that end up going into the soil to lay foundations to literally change the environment around us. And as this text is leading us into Ash Wednesday, when we will have that reminder placed on our forehead of saying that we are to dust and to dust we shall return, it's that recognition of this form of us is temporary. That things will change. Why do we like time-lapse videos so much? Why do we like seeing the pictures showing a year later, or two years later, 20 years later, 50 years later? Because at times we struggle with seeing the passage of time. But we also struggle to see the change until the change has happened. And we also seem to have the tendency of forgetting what it was like before. We have to embrace the change. We have to embrace the change of wherever God is taking us. We have to be okay with whatever the science is showing us of change that is happening. We're on a spinning globe that spins around a sun in a solar system in a huge galaxy. And we realize more and more that even the simple things that we track, like a year, so many things change. But yet we still wrestle with it. I think it's one of the things right now, especially within the church, that we're wrestling with. But even society in general, we wrestle with change. We don't like it, but it's one of the things that's constant. This is the whole thing that as we look around us, that there's all around us is change. My wife is originally from American Southwest. And with her moving to the Northern Midwest, one of the things that she talks about is it's a lot easier to remember time where you are and being up here. Because there's such a drastic change in weather that it helps me understand the passage of time. Helps me be able to try to remember when certain things were. As we are about to head into 40 days of reflection, and we have this last shimmering moment of Jesus showing his disciples of Jesus being the light. And we go into these moments of reflection and thinking deep. I think this is a moment where This doesn't have to be a heavy science week. I think it's us acknowledging everything around us that changes outside of the human experience. The things that God has placed there that constantly are going through change. And heck, the things that are constantly going on with us that we don't necessarily like to acknowledge. It's easy to recognize in a child as they grow and change. But somewhere around that 20 to 25 and maybe a hair earlier, we suddenly then don't like to recognize the change anymore. The creases that start getting deeper. The hair that isn't the same vibrant color it once was. The muscles that don't recover the same way anymore. The things that our bodies start to struggle with more and more. I know for me, one of the simple ones that I've been wrestling with is I have really enjoyed shrimp. And now over the last few years, I'm finding that my body might not be able to eat shrimp anymore. And that's a hard pill for me to swallow because I really enjoyed shrimp. But at least at this season, at this point, my body is changing and it's struggling to do that right now. I don't know why. But I also have to respect that. And I have to utilize that to recognize then what is my body actually needing. And I think this is a moment where God is trying to steer us to recognizing what are we supposed to be doing? If things aren't changing, how are you growing? If you're not willing to change, you're really limiting the capacity of what I can do with you, 
with the goals and things that I designed you to do. So the question I have for you is, how accepting are you of change? How accepting are you of change? I think right now, and I'm going to try saying this sensitively, I think right now politically within the country that I'm in, the United States, but I think even worldwide, we're really struggling with that. And I think when we look at the events of what has happened over the last week, week and a half, with Turkey and Syria having a major earthquake and the havoc that that has caused for a whole region, change happens fast. And we as people struggle with that. And I think where we're at in the world, we need to be able to work together to recognize that change is going to happen. Things aren't going to go back to the way that they were. Peter, to me, building these houses or offering to build houses for Moses and Elijah, the greatest prophets of the Old Testament with Jesus, is trying to hold on to that moment and trying to go backwards at the same time. And when Jesus is there dazzling and God speaks that not only is God pleased with Jesus, but we should be listening to him. And by the time that Peter, James, and John look up, Elijah and Moses are gone and Jesus is back to who they had always seen him to be. But there was a change that had happened. They had had an encounter with God. And Jesus says a statement that is hard for them to wrap their heads around at that moment. Are we willing to go through something similar? Are we willing to do the change and the necessary steps to actually be able to experience that? to be able to experience the moments where God is being able to steer us to where we're being called, not following like what the Psalms are stating, what us as humans are desiring, or even as talked about in Second Peter, that we are being called into what God is calling us into, not what humankind is calling us into. We're chasing after the light of Jesus, not chasing after the light of man. And so as we are looking around and noticing the change that is going on around us, let's recognize that we need to be changing with it and not being left behind. That also means still looking back. And like Jesus has been teaching us and talking to us, it's not that we're getting rid of our past. It's that we learn from our past, that we still are living through our past, but we also keep our eyes toward the future and be able to help us re-understand and reinterpret not only what our past has meant, but how then we're going to take that experience to live into our future. Not going backwards, but moving forward toward the light that has laid out a path for us already. God created a place that changes. Let's follow the way that God has intended for it to be, that we continue to grow and change as well. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.